Today's episode of The Overwhelmed Brain is brought to you by Casper. Start sleeping ahead of the curve with Casper. Get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com forward slash brain. Make sure to use the promo code brain at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Are you annoyed by affirmations? Are you tired of that same old rehashed personal growth advice that all seems to boil down to think positively and all your problems will go away? If affirmations feel like lies and positive thinking feels like denial, then I want you to get ready. The Overwhelmed Brain is here to help you create the life you want now. and welcome to The Overwhelmed Brain. My name is Paul Coliani. I'm a personal empowerment coach, and this is the show where I help you tackle life's toughest challenges. I want to help you increase your emotional intelligence, strengthen your self-worth and self-esteem, and empower you so that you can make decisions that are right for you. Everything I talk about on this show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your personal or mental health. All right, welcome to the show. Got the intro out of the way. I want to welcome you if you're a new listener, and I want to welcome you even more if you're a continuing listener, if you are one of those people that tune in every week. I've heard from a lot of people that say they listen to the show on the way to work, they listen to the show while they're doing dishes, and they listen to the show while they're sleeping. (laughs) So I don't know how much they get while they're sleeping, but no matter what, I'm so glad you're here. Let's talk about vulnerability. So I'm bringing this up because a client this last week said that, um, you know, there's nothing I can find on how you know when someone's being vulnerable. So hello to that client. I won't mention your name, uh, but I am so glad you brought this up uh, because I think it's important to know when someone's being vulnerable around you so that you know how to respond that doesn't put them in a defensive place. So if you were being vulnerable around me and I said, get out of my face, you might feel like, you know, your world has come crashing down because you felt safe enough to be yourself around me. And yet here I am putting you down, squashing you like a grape. I mean, how many relationships have we been in? How many times have we done this to other people? I don't know. I I can speak for myself. How many times have I done this to other people? where they were in a vulnerable space, and I said something stupid. (laughs) I said something that put them down. I said something that made them feel less than, that made them feel terrible. And I don't like doing that to anyone. I don't like making someone feel terrible. But sometimes you don't know they're in the vulnerable space. Sometimes they're sharing something, and you think they're just sharing something. But it could be something that's being shared that's deep in the recesses of their emotional pool. And when they reach in and decide, okay, today is the day I'm going to share it, they are hoping it will be received well. Have you ever had someone share something with you that was so deep and so personal to them that, I mean, this is what vulnerability or part of vulnerability is, that they're afraid to share it? They're afraid to express it to you, and that's one of the main components of vulnerability is you have some sort of fear that you will be exposed to danger in some way, a threat. And it may not even be a real threat. You even know it's not a real threat sometimes, and you still don't want to share it because it reveals something about you that's so deep and maybe dark because you're humiliated or ashamed or guilty feel guilty or embarrassed, you just have something so deep that you've been hiding from the world that you don't want to share it because someone might say something about it, look at you in a certain way, look down at you, put you down, make you feel bad. And when you suffer from any type of self-worth issues, lower self-worth, lower self-esteem, you'll have less of the ability to be vulnerable around people typically, because what happens is you don't want to share the most revealing parts of you. Sometimes aren't even revealing. They're just secrets that you've kept that you don't want to share. And if you share them, then they know all about you. They know the real you. They know 
you know, something that you've been hiding for so long, you don't want anybody to know about. So you keep it to yourself. And a lot of the times what happens is throughout life is that we will hold on to things because we don't want people to know about it. And that adds to our collective emotional resistance, emotional unhappiness. That adds to the collective inability to be happy, inability to feel fulfilled. Because I have something so deep and dark inside of me that if anyone found out, I would be, what's the word, any word, ruined. I would be humiliated. I would feel ashamed. Fill in the blank. I don't want to let this out because if somebody knows this about me, then it's over. So what I'm going to do is stuff it down. I'm going to stuff it down so nobody finds out about it. And this will allow me to have the happiest, most fulfilling life I could possibly have, except there's something negative filling in my emotional pool that I want to fill in with positive stuff. So picturing all of your emotions that you can possibly have inside of you, I like to look at it as a pool, like I fill up the pool. What am I filling, filling up the pool with? Well, most of the time I try to fill up with things that fulfill me. That means if I have toxic people in my life, they are putting, or I am, I am putting negative emotions in my pool because I'm around them, they are wearing me down, they're putting me down sometimes, they're just, they're toxic to be around. So I f- start filling up with negativity and that pool is less fulfilling, less positive and and if the more toxic people I have, the more toxic jobs I have, the more negative things I have in my life, the more negativity, the more negative my pool, and the more I carry that around, which builds up what I like to refer to as resistance or emotional resistance in your body. So what are you carrying around? For example, thankfully, we're so much more open to LBGQT. I hope I get all the letters <laughs> and uh, the the whole community of people that aren't, quote, normal heterosexuals. That's a huge quote. <laughs> I'm saying that we grew up thinking heterosexuality is the normal and anything outside of that is abnormal or a sickness. I mean, there was a period of time where that was the belief. It's like, what? You're gay? Get out of my church. Get out of my house. Get out get out of here. And gay people were shunned. And then what about the people that wanted to become a different gender? Now there's that phase of evolution that we're going through that people have the option to become a different gender. I'm not going to get into the political conversation about this or what kind of bathrooms we should have in stores. That's a whole other issue I don't want to get into. But it's an important one. I don't want to dismiss it either. However, uh, coming back to um, a child growing up in a household where they don't feel like the, quote, normal heterosexual. They don't feel it because they aren't it. They don't feel attracted to the opposite sex. Or they don't feel like a little boy or a little girl or a big boy or a man. They don't feel like their gender. They don't feel it. Just like if I asked you, who are you attracted to? And you told me your answer, men, women, something else. I don't know. Who were you attracted to? And and if I told you, okay, stop being attracted to those people. Just stop. It would be hard to do. I mean, I can't do it. I think I was having this conversation the other day. I said it would be impossible for me to stop being attracted to the female gender. I am attracted to the female gender. That is hardwired into me. That is part of my operating system. That's how I like to look at it, is that we're born with an operating system, just like a computer. The Mac computer has the Mac operating system. The Windows has a Windows. The operating system tells you how you operate, how you go through life, what you're attracted to, what your likes and dislikes are. And some things can change, but other things are hardwired. So my operating system says, hey, you're attracted to women and you have this certain personality type and and you're more prone for this type of behavior as opposed to this type of behavior. And some of that can be reconditioned. But I don't think the hardwiring where 
you really get down to the inner workings of how we operate, the operating system that we're born with really states what our attractions and what our likes and dislikes are, who we want to procreate with or not procreate, who we want to, who we have sexual desire toward or not have sexual desire toward. And when one of us is born with an operating system where it doesn't match the world in general, then we have these desires no matter what gender we are. If I was born liking men and being attracted to men, then I would not be able to help that. I was born that way. I mean, this is just a side thing. I, I do believe that we are born kind of hardwired to be attracted to a certain gender or a certain body type or a certain age range. I think we're all born with a certain attraction towards certain people uh, and then our nurturing and conditioning and everything else can amplify that in certain ways. But then you have the opposition to what you desire, to what you carry around with you, to your normal, natural operating system. That opposition creates a challenge for you if you're in this space. If you're born gay in the 60s or 70s or 80s, you might fear coming out because the people around you, your immediate family, they think gay is wrong. So what do you do with that? A lot of people would stuff it down and not mention it. And maybe later on in life, finally come out of the closet. All right, I'm coming out of the closet. I'm going to tell my mom. I'm going to tell my dad. But sometimes that doesn't go well. And there are families that will kick you out of their family for not being heterosexual, for not being, quote, a normal person. And the reason I mention all of this gender and sexual orientation and all that is because that is something that a lot of people um, can really relate to that have carried around the burden of a secret because they can't reveal it. And that burden can become part of the negativity in their emotional pool. That burden is, boy, if I tell anyone, I won't have any friends. I mean, that might be a, an exaggerated thought, but if I tell anyone, my mom will hate me. That could be a true thought. My dad will hate me. That could be a true thought. So uh, what I'm going to do is build this resistance inside of my body and hold it in. Resistance is when you can't be yourself. You can't be authentic. You can't release it. You can't release the, the secrets or what you believe people will have a problem with. So you hold it in. And it's no fun holding it in. It's like trying to hold your breath. Eventually, you're going to have to breathe. But some people hold their breath, metaphorically speaking, all their life. They hold what's in there. It never comes out. And guess what? They're never as happy as they could be because they held it in. Yeah, but if I let it out, I, I will be ousted by my family. I mean, there is that, of course. What if I tell somebody my deep, dark secret or something I don't want to share about myself, but I'm holding it in because... I feel like they will look down at me or put me down or kick me out of the group. What if I have that and I don't want to lose all my friends and family? Well, this is the decisions that we make throughout life, isn't it? Is that we are in, let me just give you a minor example. You're in a job that the boss yells at you in front of uh, your coworkers and you feel humiliated and maybe you feel a little ashamed and guilty because depending on what he or she is talking about, and then they go, the boss goes back in the office and uh, you just sit at your desk and you're like, oh, I just want to say, <laughs> I just want to, I don't know what to do about this and I can't lose my job. And, and you have all these thoughts and these burdens of responsibility, like I can't lose money and I can't quit my job and I can't say what I want because if I do, my boss will fire me and on and on. So what ha ends up happening is we put all that negativity in our emotional pool so it becomes less positive more negative. And then you go back to work day after day facing that and the pool of negativity just doesn't go away. And sometimes it keeps getting added to and added to. And this is where you re reach the breakdown to the breakthrough, right? Is that your pool of negativity reaches its peak, its threshold, and it overflows. Once it overflows, it has nowhere else to go but out. It has to get out of you. How, do it, how does it get out of you? 
you have a freaking breakdown. <laughs> you just go, oh, I just can't stand it anymore. And then you yell at your boss and say, F you, and I'm getting out of here. You could take this job and shove it. And you walk out the door. And at that point, you've lost control. And then you, those are the times you look back and go, oh, damn it, I should have <laughs> handled it a different way. But I didn't. Now I've burned this bridge. Because we let our emotional pool get so full, it, it overflows. It, over, it just spills over. And so what do we do? What is there to do? You have to recognize when the emotional pool is starting to overflow or even starting to build negativity. Like, what did I just stuff down? That's a good question. What did I just stuff down? What did I just put in there? Because it's not going anywhere. It's going to stay in there and add to what's already there. And if you're carrying around a lot of negativity, you have all this resistance inside of your body. And let me just give you the quick definition of this resistance so you have another metaphor to play with. I look at resistance as holding back the negativity or holding in the negativity. So I picture it as some sort of wall or boundary that you build inside your your system, inside your body. And that boundary you hold together, it takes a lot of energy. And it doesn't feel very good because you're holding a lot of negativity from spilling out. So as the negativity is in there, it wants to come out. But what we do is hold it in. And that is the resistance. So we are resisting the negativity from being expressed, from being let out. And when we do that, that negativity stays. And if it stays, we carry that around. And as we carry that around, we can either be more fulfilled and happier by letting some out, by being vulnerable. I'm going to get to that in a moment. Um, or we can take it out in other ways by getting angry. We can try to abolish it or neutralize it by healing inside of us. By Some people use meditation. Some people like to listen to shows like this. Some people like to really learn to understand their what's going on in themselves. And when they finally understand, it can neutralize some of the negativity. It's like, oh, I never looked at it that way. I never looked at it that way. That, that makes me feel better. And so there are multiple ways you can start feeling better by putting in more positivity. And this doesn't necessarily mean you know, telling yourself positive affirmations. I'm not saying it doesn't work. I'm saying that it doesn't necessarily mean, well, just watch a bunch of comedy TV shows <laughs> or just watch funny movies. Just go to stand-up night at comedy clubs. It does help, but I don't want you to do things like that in order to not feel bad. I mean, yes, it's okay to do this, but don't do it in the long term thinking that that is the best way to start filling up your emotional pool with positivity. I think, and this is a personal opinion, I think that the best way to get more positivity, more feel-good stuff in that emotional pool is to be vulnerable and to allow this stuff to come out of you in some way. And that doesn't always mean that you tell your deepest, darkest secret to other people. It doesn't always mean that. Sometimes it can mean you walk into a crowd of people that you don't know and you just start singing. <laughs> that might be super scary to some people. I think I would be scared uh, when I look at that, when I think about that. But I think that that is part of vulnerability. That is part of connecting. I mean, if, this is if you want to sing. Let's just say that you want to sing a song and you just want to really sing it and you do so in a crowd of people. They're all going to look at you funny. Some people might smile. Some people might go, oh, what a weirdo. Some people might roll their eyes. And certain people will think you're crazy. And that's part of vulnerability. So you walk out there and you do this thing. You get it out of your system and you go, whoa, look what I just did. I'm not suggesting this, but I'm just saying that there are different ways to be vulnerable where you don't have to have someone staring at you and waiting for you to say this deep secret you have. There are other ways to do it where you allow yourself to come out of yourself. <laughs> you allow the part of you that you're holding on to to come out. It's sort of like when you have a hobby that you don't want anyone to know about. I'm not saying you have to share everything 
But let's just say that your hobby was, I'm going to pick something benign, um, taking photographs of butterflies. And you're a big muscular man (laughs) that works at a steel factory. (laughs) But on your off hours, you love taking photographs of butterflies. It fulfills you. But you don't want to tell anyone about it. Because if you told anyone about it, well, the guys might think I'm a sissy. You know, whatever words they use. So I don't want to talk about that. So you hold it in. Now, it's okay if you don't feel bad holding it in. It's okay. You don't have to tell everyone your deep secrets. You don't have to tell anyone anything. But if you go out with the guys and all the guys are talking about what they do on their off time and you know a good percentage of your off time is taking pictures of butterflies and you don't want to say it and suddenly you feel restricted you feel bad, you feel like you can't be yourself, it might put some negativity in your emotional pool. And so now you carry that around because I better not let that out. And then you add to that negativity when you lie about what you do with your time. Well, when I'm not working, I go home and lift weights. Then I go outside and dig trenches all night (laughs) or whatever. And I'm not making fun of muscle-bound guys. I'm envious. (laughs) I'm just saying that when you have a recreation or an activity or something that you don't want to tell anyone about, um, then if you feel this restriction, if you feel this holding back of you and you don't like it, and you find yourself skirting around the issue, skirting around, um, you know, exaggerating about what you do or lying about what you do, and it's adding negativity to your emotional pool, then you find yourself carrying more and more negative emotions. This is why coming back to sexual orientation, why some people feel so liberated when they say, mom, dad, I'm gay. I knew a guy who was a Jehovah's Witness in high school. He was absolutely religious, straight-laced, Uh, Even the yearbook photo, it looked like it was angelic (laughs) when he had this picture taken. Well, I tell you what, he came out at one point. I never kept in touch with him. I just found him on Facebook a few years ago. And um, he is in all these gay parades and he is smiling more than I've ever seen. Uh, All his pictures are happy. He looks so happy. In high school, he seemed like this ordinary normal, average guy that wasn't too much one way, wasn't too much the other way, very neutral. And he was kind, he was nice to talk to, but it didn't stand out at all. He was just somebody that seemed to be unremarkable in a lot of ways. But you look at his Facebook pictures now, he is happy. (laughs) He is so happy. I mean, at least according to his pictures, I know Facebook can show the best side of us sometimes. Uh, But the transformation, I mean, it's like when you look up people from your high school and you go, whoa, what happened to that person? That's what I felt like. Wow, what happened to that person? And it was really cool. I was just, I was proud of him because he came out, you know, this is me. This is who I am. And I bet he feels so much less restricted. He may have lost friends. He may have lost people in his church. He may have no support there. He may have no support from his parents. I don't know. I'm making guesses. But look what he's gained. He has gained himself. He has become more authentic. It looks like he has become more happy. And I I love that direction when you choose to become vulnerable, when you choose to take the risk to show the world who you really are. So if that kid from high school is listening, I'm proud of you. And anyone that has revealed something about themselves that uh, they knew was, quote, dangerous. You believed it was a bad idea because you'd lose friends, because you'd lose this group, because you'd lose family. When you finally chose to reveal it, I'm proud of you. And, you know, I, I also realize that some people regret doing that. Some people regret coming out if they have a certain sexual orientation. Or some people regret revealing something that they we're holding on to. But I want you to remember that the people who love you unconditionally will love you no matter what. So we could talk about unconditional love. I'm not going to get into it. But unconditional love takes a special type of person. Some people in our immediate family are incapable of unconditional love. If they were, 
unconditionally loving us, they would support our happiness. And if our happiness involves what we've revealed to them and they don't support it, then they have their own resistances that they're holding on to. And they are filling up their emotional pool with more negativity uh, because they don't want to let go, let be, and love, and let others be. And when they hold that back, they can't live a fulfilling life. So we can't be part of their restrictions. We can't get stuck in the idea that we can't be happy because they can't be happy. If you're in that mindset, I want you to get out of that mindset. If they're not happy, then I'm not happy. And this is even worse. If they're unhappy with me, then I can't be happy. This is the thing we need to break. Break out of that. Because when you can be yourself and people honor you, honoring yourself, those are the people that love you unconditionally. And sometimes people can't love us unconditionally, not because they're bad people. It's just because they have a lot of resistance going on inside of them. We'll be right back. I'm going to talk about how you can identify vulnerability in other people after this. Okay, wow. I can't believe I get to talk about Casper again. We've had our Casper mattress for, what, about 10 months now? I forget. It's been a while. When you don't think about things, you know they're doing the right thing. It's like your refrigerator. (laughs) If you've never had an issue with your fridge, you never think about how great it is. But there it is, keeping your food cold and preserved. But if you had that type of fridge that went on the fritz every now and then, you'd probably feel so much more grateful when it was working right. And you'd probably also be thinking about it all the time, wondering when it was gonna fail. With our old mattress, I always thought about it. I mean, I'd wake up thinking about it because I had so much back pain. I would get ready for bed thinking about it because I knew I'd be getting back pain. I'd think about it at other times when I wanted to take a nap, realizing I'd probably be better off not taking a nap even though I was tired, just because I knew I wouldn't be able to enjoy my nap. With our Casper, I don't think about any of these things. The Casper mattress is cleverly designed to mimic human curves, providing supportive comfort for all kinds of bodies. I feel supported, so I don't even think about it. The original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. We sleep on a surface that cradles our natural geometry in all the right places. So again, I don't have to think about it. It just happens because that's the way it's designed. Casper offers three mattresses, the original Casper, the Wave, and the Essential. The original is the one I just told you about. The Wave features a patent-pending premium support system to mirror the natural shape of your body, and the Essential has a streamlined design at a price that won't keep you up at night. Casper also offers a wide variety of other products, like pillows and sheets, to ensure an overall better sleep experience. So I'm so glad I got to talk about Casper today because it reminds me of how grateful I am to have one. I never think about it because it's just so darn comfortable. It does the job well, and it's always there just the way we need it. I want you to think about Casper. They cut out the middleman and sell directly to you. This makes them affordable. Not only that, they offer hassle-free returns if you're not completely satisfied. I'm talking about their 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. If you don't like it, They pick it up for free. That saves you so much time and effort. Though I don't believe you'll be utilizing their return policy because you'll probably love it as much as we love ours. There's free shipping and returns to the US and Canada. Visit casper.com forward slash brain and use the promo code brain during checkout to get $50 off select mattresses. Delivered right to your door in a small, how do they do that sized box. You gotta see it to believe it. Casper.com forward slash brain Use the promo code BRAIN during checkout for $50 towards select mattresses. Terms and conditions apply. All right. 
What we're going to talk about now is how to recognize vulnerability in someone else. Now, why? Why do we want to recognize vulnerability in someone else is because when you know someone's being vulnerable, you're, you don't ruin the moment. You don't ruin the moment by showing them that you aren't a safe person to share things with. Not everyone will recognize vulnerability in someone else, and so they'll tend to do things or say things that end up uh, causing more of a challenge in any type of relationship. Because most of us really want a relationship where we get along with each other, and we also trust each other, and we feel safe with the other person. Now, there are some people that maybe don't listen to this show and don't seek to learn the things that we talk about in the show uh, to better themselves, to evolve their emotional intelligence, to do what they need to do to show up as the best version of themselves for other people. There are those people, hopefully, people like that will eventually learn to get into a space themselves where they become a good partner, a good husband, a good wife, a good uh, brother, sister, mother, father, son, daughter. Hopefully, you become the person that people feel comfortable being themselves around. I think that's my goal. I want to be the person that everyone feels comfortable being themselves around. And how do I do that? Well, I have to show up as more non-judgmental. I have to show up as more uh, caring and kind and considerate and supportive and in different ways. doesn't mean I have to give who I am to everyone. It just means I allow other people to be who they are. And I think when you get into that space where you allow someone to be who they are, then they show up the best they can as who they are. Not everyone, but a lot of people will be able to show up in the capacity they can to be authentic. And when you allow that for someone else, when you allow them to be authentic, then they have a choice to be as authentic as they can be or not. Because there are some people out there that still, even when they are with safe people, don't want to let their guard down, don't want to be vulnerable. But what I want to talk about in this segment is how to notice when someone is being vulnerable so that we don't mess up the moment, so that we can actually be there for them in this vulnerable space. So what I'm going to do right now is uh, go through about five things that uh, show when someone else is vulnerable, and we'll talk about each one. The first one is when someone expresses something to you that you could easily attack, judge, or make fun of their place or their stance uh, has no shield. They take off their emotional armor and they allow you in so close that you could actually hurt them if you wanted to. For example, when I moved in with my girlfriend, she took over a year to start being comfortable around me in many situations, even sexually. She took a long time to get comfortable where she could feel that I wouldn't turn on her or be aggressive or be overly assertive in a way where abusive people in her past have done so. It took her a long time. For some people, it takes more than that. And even today, there are moments where she doesn't feel as safe as um, I'd like her to feel, I want her to feel, but it's, it's rare nowadays because I've been doing everything I can to show up in a way that is safe for her to be around. And again, it comes to that non-judgmental, caring and supportive and supporting her happiness. I always say that you love people by supporting their path to happiness. And that might mean that they take a path that you disagree with. That might mean they take a path that doesn't have you on it. And when you show that or give that type of energy, that person has the freedom to choose their path which makes them appreciate you more. That's why I always tout the definition of love is supporting the other person's happiness. And when you do that, even when they have something in mind that doesn't include you, they still see you as the person that gave that to them. Not gave it to them, but gave them the space to do that without stopping them, without resisting, just empowered them to be themselves, to follow their own path. That's a huge gift. But what happens sometimes, like with my girlfriend, she had a history of child sexual abuse and also she went through an abusive marriage. So there were big obstacles that I 
had to work with. I had to figure out how to show up in a way that was a little bit different than I was used to. And fortunately, I'm, I'm a pretty passive guy. I can let things slide. Uh, but at the same time, I'm big on boundaries and big on values. And so when those things are being violated, I don't mind talking about them. And I can choose to be vulnerable by telling my girlfriend, hey, you know what? You just crossed a boundary. I don't like that. I don't want you to cross that boundary again. And that is vulnerable for me because I've always been the guy who never wanted to make waves. I, I wanted to make sure there was always peace because I felt like uh, someone might abandon me if I didn't. And what has happened because I've chosen to be vulnerable in that way by saying what's on my mind, by speaking up, saying when there's a boundary violation, saying when there's something that's uh, violating my values, it has allowed our bond to get stronger. It has allowed us to connect at a deeper level because I'm being honest. And we can work with honesty. It's on the table. It's tangible. I can say, okay, this is what's happening. And she can look at everything on the table and work with this instead of giving her the silent treatment, instead of being upset for weeks and not telling her why, even if it's not silent, or just being a jerk, hoping that she figures out what I'm thinking, which involves mind reading, which even though she's intuitive, <laughs> she, she's not good at that. Yet, I don't know anyone that is very good at that. But uh, bringing it back to vulnerability, when they express something to you that you could easily attack, judge, or make fun of, it's just good to be aware that they are putting themselves out there. So you give this person the space to put themselves out there and to be this exposed to you. When you see that coming, and it takes a conscious awareness sometimes, because sometimes we're on our own stuff, sometimes we're triggered, but it takes a conscious awareness to go, oh, wait, they're sharing something very deep here. Maybe I need to step off my soapbox or get off the idea that I need to be right in this moment and just let them share this. Because I don't want to be the dangerous person that says it's not okay to share this stuff with me because as soon as you do, I'm going to yell at you or put you down or judge you or ridicule you. I want to be the person that you can come to because I do want you to feel safe. I do want you to feel happy. I do want you to release some of the negativity from that emotional pool so it fills in with more positive stuff. I think I started to say that in the last segment. I don't know if I said it, but uh, just in case I didn't, in order to fill that pool with more positivity... You just take out the negativity. I think I started to say that. I don't know if I got that out or not. But if I did, then I apologize. But it's good to hear again anyway. It's not about continuing to add positive stuff and positive music and positive this, even though that's helpful. But what I've learned is that the emotional pool is already made up of fulfillment and happiness. It's just that it gets tainted with the negativity. It starts to push out the positive stuff as we add more negativity, which causes us to feel not so good. So if I didn't say that before, that's I just said it now. <laughs> Number two is to identify when someone's being vulnerable uh, is when they express a deeper truth that they may not easily share with others. Now, I've said this in so many ways, but just wanted to put that as a bullet point. A good example of this is one of the first times that my girlfriend and I talked on the phone. Before we were in a relationship, we were just friends and when you're just friends, you tend to share a lot more because you don't fear that somebody might not like you. I highly encourage, and this is what I did, I highly encourage you be as honest and upfront up about almost anything you can be. Because if you can be honest about your likes and dislikes and what you watch on TV and what you do on your off time, if and when the relationship begins, the relationship usually goes a lot better because that person already knows all this stuff about you and they had a chance to get out before the relationship started. So if I told my girlfriend that um, I like to eat dog food, <laughs> she, she might not like that and she might want to get out of the relationship because that's just maybe kind of weird for her. I didn't say that, but if I had before the relationship began, at least she has, again, it's on the table. She has something to work with and um, she can do with it what she wants. If it didn't bother her, then we get into the relationship and that's something that she has already learned to accept about me. 
This is why it's great to be vulnerable at the beginning of relationships sometimes because you put it all out there and you see how the other person reacts. What? You like to take a bath in tomato juice? What? <laughs> but that might be some health thing they do and, and uh, they, it gives them an opportunity to go, huh, well, that's not something I would do, but hey, that's no problem with me. And it's accepted. And now it's not something that, uh, that the other person has to resist telling, resist sharing because it's out in the open. I'm not saying this works for every little thing that you have going on inside of you, every little secret that you're carrying around, but it's typically the stuff that will eventually come up in a relationship anyway. Uh, I started to say it was what I, the stuff I told my girlfriend at the beginning of our relationship before it ever started being a relationship, it really surprised her. She's like, what? I, I can't believe you're telling me this. And I was like, why? It's, it's the truth. That's how I feel. That's what I like. This is what I do. And she's like, oh, my God, I'm just, it's so revealing. <laughs> I, I know you're dying to know. Uh, <laughs> we were talking about it, and I had nothing to hide. And I also didn't really focus on trying to impress her. I didn't focus on trying to attract her. I just wanted to be myself. And that is what attracted her most. So I had these weird things that I was telling her. I mean, they weren't crazy. They weren't like really weird, but they were just very honest. I just told her, I was just very honest about everything in my life. And because of that, she was attracted to that. And she knew what to expect. How, what greater way to start any relationship or keep any relationship when you're so honest that somebody knows what to expect from you instead of wondering if they're lying about that or if they're exaggerating about that. When you don't go around exaggerating, don't go around lying, then somebody knows the real you, typically. They know what to expect. And that makes the relationship a lot more stable, a lot more easy to um, continue. So number three, uh, to know when someone's being vulnerable is when they admit they're wrong. So vulnerability shows itself when uh, someone fesses up and they choose the honorable path instead of the one that makes them feel better. Now, I got to tell you, I've squashed the energy behind so many arguments when I decided to back off and admit that I'm wrong. And even in that feeling of, oh, I'm wrong, I got to admit it, <laughs> it's always brought us closer together. And I can't tell you how many soapboxes I've stood on to be right. Not because I knew I was right, but because I didn't want to be wrong. Because I didn't like the feeling of being wrong. I think that's part of our hardwiring. If I'm right, I'm accepted and loved. But I also think that we've had it backwards. Like maybe the hardwiring is off or something. Because if I'm right and I make you wrong, that makes me the bully. That doesn't make me a lovable person. I mean, think about this. How many times have you wanted to be right and wanted the other person to be wrong, where even when there was some evidence that you might be wrong, you still chose not to back off. Well, I'm not going to back off this time. I'm not going to back down because I don't want to be wrong. You just have to be careful around that because instead of being lovable, you're being a bully. There's some gray area there, so I don't want to just label everyone a bully, but this is what happens. This is what happened to me. I, I used to always want to be right, and even when I was found to be wrong, at least in my own head, I was like, oh, crap, she's right. <laughs> then I would still hold my position, which made me a bully. So now I don't do that. I mean, I think I don't do I don't think I do that anymore. Yeah, I know I don't. Where I figure out that I'm wrong about something, what I'll do is take an emotional step back and admit that she's right. Oh my God, you're right about that. Um, I didn't think about it that way. And I notice immediately the energy just whoosh, goes down. It deflates and things feel so much better. Even though there still might be some tension there, things just feel better because I chose to back off. When we're both coming at each other, it heats it up. It really energizes the place, but not in a good way. Uh, but one of us backs off and we both do this, at least in my relationship, one of us will back off and go, oh, that's a good point. <laughs> you know, my girlfriend has a lot of business sense. So every now and then she'll tell me, that's a terrible idea. You know, I'll come up with some business idea and she'll go, that's a terrible idea. If you do that, you're going to turn people off or you know, I wouldn't do that if I were you. And so she really sometimes deflates my business ideas 
And I decide, well, I'm going to do it anyway because I know I'm right. I, I feel it. And when I find out I'm wrong, <laughs> when I find out that business idea is fizzling and going nowhere, I will come back and say, look, you were right about that. And she'll go, oh, <laughs> she's usually kind. She'll say, oh, you, you tried it anyway, and I told you not to. She's not the type that says I told you so, but we will have a conversation about it. She'll laugh or something, or I'll laugh, and I'll say, look, I, I know I rejected it and I denied it, but that's how I operate. Once we talk about something that I really firmly believe in and you're against it, I'm going to fight for it because that's how I am. But I'll still come back and say, look, I tried it. You were right. <laughs> and she respects that about me, I can tell. And at the same time, it makes her feel good. Wow, she was right. It makes her feel good. Why wouldn't I want that? I, I love that. I just have to deal with the, the blow to my ego. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. We work on our self-worth. We work on our self-esteem. And when we get a blow to our ego, we don't take it as a nick in our character armor. We take it as a stepping stone in our learning process. That's what happens when you have enough self-worth and enough self-esteem so that when you get these ego blows, you can bounce back and go, oh, that's a really good lesson. Thank you. I'm going to learn from that lesson. Let's move on. And let's move on. Number four, you know when someone's being vulnerable when you feel compassion inside you. Compassion for someone else often kicks in when they're putting themselves out there to be judged or ridiculed, or shamed. I mean, that isn't their intent. Their intent isn't to be judged, or ridiculed, or shamed. But when you feel compassion coming on for someone else, and they're in a space that could be, like I said, attacked, it's very exposed, they're being very revealing, and your compassion kicks in, that feeling is usually an indication of them being vulnerable. However, I don't want to confuse your compassion for someone else if they're faking vulnerability, which is when someone tricks you into feeling compassion for them. That's an entirely different topic. Emotional abuse has fake vulnerability in its formula so that you'll feel sorry for the person abusing you. And I don't want to confuse that. This is for people that you already know their MO, their modus operandi. They already have a way of being, and they're not normally deceptive or manipulative. They're being vulnerable in this moment, and it's probably not fake vulnerability. Because emotional abusers can use uh, stories from their past to make you feel sorry for them, which turns on your compassion. And that is a whole other dynamic that I've talked about in, in the episodes about emotional abuse. So you don't want to just attribute these to people that uh, have a tendency to do things like that. You're attributing what I'm talking about today to people that have good intentions, that aren't necessarily out to get you or deceive you or control you. So in, this, in the case of feeling compassion come up inside of you, it's most likely the other person is in a vulnerable space. And um, this is in addition to the other things I'm talking about as well, is that you can feel compassion when they're expressing something to you or when they're expressing a deeper truth to you that you could easily judge when they admit that they're wrong. When this compassion comes up, it's a, just an indication that they might be being vulnerable. If you don't feel the compassion, that's the other side of the coin. If you don't feel the compassion, maybe you sense something else is going on. Maybe they're not being vulnerable. Maybe it's something else entirely. It doesn't mean they aren't being vulnerable necessarily. It's just another sign, another indication of a way you can tell. So if you feel the compassion starting to come up, then they're probably in a space where they're being vulnerable. And you don't, and you don't want to ruin that moment by saying something like, well, you need to do it this way, or I told you so, or coming across as belligerent or something like that. So anyway, let's get to number five. This is the final one. You can tell when someone else is being vulnerable. When you, yourself, feel like you can be vulnerable to them. Just like I have a lot of people write to me and share things with me that they don't share with other people. And why is that? It's because I share things with you that I don't share with other people. <laughs> I mean, I don't go around telling my stories to people in the grocery store. I'll tell it to close friends. But I share this on the air. It is a vulnerable space. And I do realize that people can write to me and judge me for it. They can put me down. And people have judged me for it. People have given me bad reviews. People have said, don't listen to this guy. 
And that's all right, because what I've noticed is that the more authentic I am, the more support I get. And this really has proven to me that the world is a good place. Yes, I know there's a lot of bad stuff happening, but we only hear about the bad stuff. How much good news, when there's a lot of it, comes across your way, comes through your ears, through your eyes, and you absorb. You know, every now and then when I feel sad or upset about something, I'll watch a video of a hundred people trying to rescue a deer uh, stuck in ice, you know, stuck in a lake that he fell through the ice, or a dog. You have just the amount of time and energy and money that people put in to rescue a single animal that's trying not to drown and trying to get back on the ice. I mean, it, it could be a person too. And there's so many times when we all gather together to help an animal or a person when they're in need, usually in dire need. We don't normally all gather together and try to help that person on welfare. I mean, there are systems set up for that. And we do, a lot of us do contribute to systems like that so that we can help people, you know, homelessness and welfare and poverty and hunger and disease and all these areas of life where people are truly suffering. But I guarantee you, if you're driving along the highway, along with thousands of other people, and you see an animal caught in a fence, how many people you think are going to stop and try to help that animal? It's just infectious. People see an animal or a person suffering like that, their compassion kicks in. That animal is so vulnerable. It knows that anyone could come along and just hurt it even more because it's stuck. Yet our compassion kicks in because it's vulnerable. And to be aware that when our compassion kicks in, it's most likely because someone's being vulnerable with us, that can be a huge help so that we are aware that they're being vulnerable and who do we need to be next? What is our next step? So when you feel that compassion kicking in with you, do your best to see if they're being vulnerable and that'll give you an idea what your next step should be. And sometimes all it is is being that safe, non-judgmental person that will listen. Sometimes that's all someone needs. And it can take a very special person to be a listener, to be not triggered, to not say things like, what, he said that to you? Well, you should tell him this. You should tell him that. We want to tell people what to do next. But a lot of people, they just need that ear. They just need to know that someone is there that will hear them, that will validate them, that will make them feel comfortable being themselves because they want to get rid of the negativity in their emotional pool. They may not know that. They may not say it that way. Nobody may say it that way, but I say it that way. I think people want to feel more fulfilled, more happy, have a more pleasant life, a more satisfied life. And how do you do that? You start emptying the emotional pool of negativity so that it automatically fills up with positivity or at least peacefulness, at least anything but negativity so that the walls can come down, the resistance inside the system, your body can come down, then the positive flow can come through you and you can start living life from a more authentic place. I practice this. I, I hope you do too. I, I practice when there's negativity inside of me to bring it out, to talk about it, to release it, to work it out, to process it, to do whatever I can because I really can't stand carrying it around with me. I cannot stand any negativity inside of me. You know what it feels like. It's that pit of the stomach feeling or the tightness in your chest feeling. It's the negativity that sticks with us if we aren't able to process it and release it so that we can move on. And there's a lot of things it's hard to process and release. I understand. Sometimes someone we love leaves us or dies. And what do we do with that? That's why the grieving process is so important. If we don't allow ourselves to grieve and accept that, you know, this is the way it is and this is the way it's going to be. And I, I don't like it, but I have to accept that this is the way it is. Then we can move on in a different way. We, we sometimes feel like we lose a part of ourselves, like our identity was wrapped up in some relationship somewhere. And when we do that, then it does feel like we've lost that part of ourselves. 
So we need to renew it. And I look at that part of ourselves that we lost as part of that emotional pool. Like some of that positivity was removed. So now I got to refill it. And I can't refill it with the same stuff because I was with that person. And it's only that person that I could get that stuff. So I need to fill it with new stuff, with new experiences and a new way of feeling good. I want you to feel good. Thanks for joining me today. I appreciate you. We'll be right back. I'll say some thank yous and my final words after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank Casper. I want you to go to casper.com forward slash brain and use the promo code brain to get $50 towards select mattresses. Terms and conditions apply. I also want to thank patron members over at the patron program, patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. That's a way to support the show. If you're getting value from this show and it's changing your life in some way and you want to give back, go to patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. Not only are you giving back, but you'll receive even more private episodes and private workbooks and worksheets video archive collection there. It's a good way to get back while you're giving back. And um, it's my way of saying thank you for giving. So thank you, existing patron members. I appreciate all of you. I also want to thank Susan, who became a monthly donator. I appreciate you, Susan. Thank you for taking the time and the effort and, of course, the money to show your support for the show. And um, I am grateful. I also want to say a quick hello to the staff over at the American Heart Association. I heard from a little birdie that some of you listen to the show, so I want to reach out and thank you, not necessarily for listening, but for saving lives. (laughs) I appreciate you. Thank you for doing what you do. And let me tell you real quick about something I'm very excited about. I don't know if you'll be excited, but you know, you always hear people say that. I'm so excited to tell you this. (laughs) Well, I've got um, an accountability group that I'm starting on January 1st, 2019, that I want you to seriously consider. It's not for everyone. If you've done some work on yourself, if you've done some personal growth work, if you've done some work on career goals or anything that you're working on in your life, but you've gotten to a certain point and you can't make it past that point for whatever reason, whether it's procrastinating, whether you don't have enough belief in yourself, or maybe you have an unsupport system around you, you know, those people that aren't very supportive. So it kind of deflates your sales when you talk about your aspirations, your dreams, your goals, I want you to consider the TOB Elite Accountability Group. It starts on January 1st, 2019. I can only accept six people. There's a monetary investment, so like I said, it's not for everyone. And there's also a strict selection process. But I want you to check it out. If you have any desire to be in a group of people that will not only hold you accountable, (laughs) it sounds so ominous, but also support you, Provide a safe, non-judgmental space to speak freely about your wins and losses. I mean, all the stuff we just talked about today. A place that you can let your guard down and be authentic. A place that you can discuss your projects or achieve personal or other goals. This will be a high-caliber group of people with whom to brainstorm ideas and possible directions for your life. I want you to connect with people that are invested in you. I want you to be able to tap into the collective wisdom of your peers and supporters and to learn from others who've succeeded where you want to succeed. An accountability group is exactly what I did to create this thing I call the overwhelmed brain. It's exactly what I did to get into coaching. It's exactly what I did to spread the good word to you every week. So I want you to consider this. Go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com forward slash elite, E-L-I-T-E. And there's a survey there that will help me select the right people to put together. We're going to have weekly calls. We're going to have a private Facebook group. And we're going to do everything we can to support each other. I don't know if you've ever been part of a mastermind or accountability group, but when it works right, it works amazingly well. It accelerates things and it makes the highest quality friendships that I've ever had in my life. So I want you to experience the same thing. Theoverwhelmedbrain.com forward slash elite. And even if you can't afford to join the group, take the survey anyway, because there are other things coming up that may be a good fit for you. So I want to see where you're at. And if you want to join me for the January 1st, 2019 group, then now's the time to sign up. And if you're listening to this a year from now, you know obviously the date has passed. And uh, if the survey isn't there, 
Hopefully I've got something else on that page now. <laughs> Theoverwhelmbrain.com forward slash elite. And finally, I'd like to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in The Overwhelmed Brain. And in regards to today's topic of vulnerability, you know, I came at it from a different angle. You know, I could have come at it from the angle of, okay, how to be vulnerable, how to express your vulnerability. And I talked about that a little bit. But, you know, like I said at the beginning of the show, I had a client that um, wanted to know how to really tell if someone was being vulnerable. And I know I haven't hit on all the points, but um, I really think like if I were to break it down into the most likely method of detecting vulnerability, I think it has to do with the way you feel inside of you. Now, I'm going to have a a crazy analogy here, but um, if you ever talk to a woman that's lived with other women their menstrual cycles all seem to line up around the same time. Scientists call it uh, menstrual synchrony. And um, there is some debate on whether it's true or not because some of the studies that came out uh, say, well, we couldn't replicate it. But I've talked to women that have lived with other women and suddenly their periods are all lining up. And so regardless of what the facts are or aren't, I'm using that example because women are typically more emotional creatures and when you have a, a space with more emotions in it, when there are w- more women in it, perhaps their systems are synchronizing in some way. And so I look at that, and it's a loose analogy, but I'm going to use it, <laughs> as the reason a lot of women can be more open with each other, more connected to each other. You know, female friendships typically are closer in nature, best friends forever kind of stuff. And there's more emotional connection. And it does make me think that we can be vulnerable with someone when we feel them being vulnerable because of some sort of physiological connection. And who knows, it could be what they hypothesize, which is pheromonal or lunar cycles. I mean, with the with the um, menstrual synchrony. Or maybe even the way we smell or our nonverbal cues. There was even one proposed hypothesis about uh, the way people perceive us and it changes the way we feel or wanting to get love and attention and things like that. All of these nuances could lead to when someone feels vulnerable, we feel vulnerable too. Again, it's an odd analogy, but it makes you think. If someone's being sad around us and we have empathy or sympathy, we'll either feel sad with them or we'll feel sad for them. If we don't have empathy or sympathy, then we probably won't. We won't care. And a lot of this other stuff that I've talked about, about wanting to feel vulnerable with other people, if we don't have empathy or not, or can't access sympathy, then we're less likely to want to be vulnerable around those people. And that kind of highlights some people in the world that don't have empathy and sympathy and can't connect with you at a deeper level because they aren't able to go to that place where they feel exposed because it's too scary. And uh, even when you are in that place that's scary, vulnerable, very exposed, they can't sense it in you, so they don't go there. So they stay who they are. And if you don't like who they are and they're not emotionally connecting with you, then they could be tough to be around because you'll be thinking, well, why can't they just open up to me? Why can't they just share with me? They may not be able to. If they don't have access to empathy or sympathy, they may not be able to. But people with access who are around other people that get emotional, when people are open to your vulnerability, they're usually vulnerable. This is why I've taken risks. And let me explain that. When when you're with someone and you don't want them to be upset with you, you don't want them to put you down, you don't, don't want them to look down at you Um, or think you're, I don't know, inferior in some way or a bad person, you're less likely to be vulnerable with them. But it also doesn't give them an opportunity to show their compassion for you. It doesn't give them that opportunity. It does not empower them for you to take that opportunity away from them. This is why I call it a leap of faith, because not everyone is capable of doing that. You might be vulnerable with someone who isn't capable of showing compassion and instead shows something else to hurt you or says something to hurt you, now you feel totally exposed and hurt 
and wounded. And now what? Now you close up even more. I've chosen to take my chances. I take chances with people to find out where they are because I want to know where they are. I know this is tough. I'm not saying that you have to do this. But the more I've done this, the more I've learned about myself, the more I've been able to connect with that deeper stuff inside of me, the more I've been able to fill my emotional pool with positive emotions, all because I take a leap of faith knowing that what I'm about to say or reveal to someone else is taking a big chance that I could be smacked down. I could be squashed. I could have my ego crushed, my esteem crushed. I could feel unworthy, unlovable. I know this going into it, and I still do it. I don't do it 100% of the time. But when there's something gnawing at me and I'm holding on to it and it's really negative and I don't like the feeling, I choose to be vulnerable because I got to get it out of me. I have to. I have to get this out of me so that I can go on with life and experience the best that life has to offer instead of what I'm carrying around with me, which filters out the best that life has to offer. When you're holding on to this stuff, life doesn't look that great. When you choose to be vulnerable and put yourself out there, at what seems like big risks, those are where the big rewards are. I'm not saying you have to do this. There are certain people that you probably shouldn't do this with. You have to get to know people to understand if they are safe enough to be vulnerable around because some people are not safe. The narcissistic mom or dad, the selfish husband or wife, the controlling or abusive boyfriend or girlfriend, you just have to know who to do it with it's usually a friend. It's usually a trusted family member. Anyone that you feel safe talking to, try telling them something even deeper about you, something you're holding on to, and find out where they are. The most loving, supportive people will love you even more. Genuinely supportive, loving people will genuinely support you no matter what, especially when you show them the side of you that you are most afraid to show. And if you're not ready, if you're not ready to go that vulnerable route, which is a huge step, a huge leap of faith, and it does take a lot of work. I've done a lot of work with myself. I've done a lot of healing. Just keep your mind open so that you can step into your power. This will help you be strong in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. No matter what, always take steps to grow and evolve. And that might mean taking little baby steps to let some of the negativity out of you to open yourself up to more positivity. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing. <laughs>